0: Financial advisor Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors,
1: and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, November tenth, twenty twenty-two edition, and this is a, a time where uh, market dynamics are are rapidly shifting, uh, both uh, both ways, uh, negatively in the crypto space, and now positively in the traditional finance space. Uh, but it's always important to keep the big picture in mind and take that 10,000-foot view and get a lay of the land. And we know markets are always volatile, and we're now in a challenging environment, a polarized political environment. And it's important to... Understand that when everything looks super dire, it's usually not that bad. When everything looks amazing, it's usually not that good either. I always talk about how markets, individual positions, sectors, they all swing like a pendulum. Back and forth, they have a a rhythm to them. So cycles, for example. But they also, just like a pendulum, never stay right at the center very often. Usually it's swinging wildly one way or the other, and it gets to extremes. And then it starts heading the other direction. And then it passes what is true value. And then goes to the other extreme. And that's something you really have to internalize when you're investing because it's easy to get caught up in the emotions it's easy to fall prey to FOMO to chasing headlines it's hard to keep your feet on the ground especially when there's so much information flying at you and that's why our number one job on this show is to give you the right perspective and the right frame of mind in order to make good investment decisions. Because ultimately, we can't be there every single day, right? We can do this an hour uh, uh, every weekday. But it's unlikely that, you know, we're there to answer all of your investment questions at any given time. We do our best, but we can't. So you need to internalize the lack of emotion, which is difficult. You're human. We are emotional beings. And so while this year has been volatile, there has been, you know, some big winners and we've hopefully helped you inch towards a lot of those big winners. Think of energy and commodities, industrials, and away from the emotional stocks, the the sexy stories. Call it the Ponzi sector of the market. And a lot of those are down 70, 80, 90%. Meta itself is down 75% in the last year. So... These are challenging times, but they're also times to learn, learn to not be emotional, learn to internalize logic and always turn that direction and ask the right questions to yourself, to other people about the important aspects of investments, which is sustainability, not in a green sense, but sustainability of business model of cash flows of earnings now i'm justin klein i'm here on this uh radio show and podcast to help you make better investment decisions so i look forward to this hour on invest talk with you answering your finance and investment questions the phone number as always is 888-99-CHART it's open 24 hours a day seven days a week You can call after hours or during our live stream program from 4 to 5 Pacific time each and every weekday. Now, I've got a lot of material for you today. One is in regards to FTX and its FTT token fell 80% in value overnight. And we're going to look at this story. And it said this for a while, this is the crypto space is learning a lot of different lessons very fast. A lot of the lessons that traditional finance took decades to learn, it's learning it pretty fast. Uh, and we are now in the phase of the game of Glass-Steagall. What happened in the 1930s post uh, the 29 crash. And I've always said this, that we are a system that is leveraged. Unless there's new capital going in, will always collapse the base money. Now, I know it sounds complex, but it really isn't. It just means... All the leverage gets rung out of the system. Margin call upon margin call. Especially when there's no lender of last resort like a central bank, right? Because it's decentralized. So we're going to look at that story. And time permitting, uh, I want to touch on a few other things. One is in regards to what companies are doing about their debt levels. Guess what? They're, they're paying down that debt, off that debt as much as they can. Also... Option measures for fear jumped to the highest levels since 2008. Just a couple days ago. And you wonder why today was such a big day. It's One of the reasons. And then also, corporate bond market. There's a lot of bargains out there. And I want to touch on that dynamic as well. But I have some voice bank questions ready to play, such as, one on investing strategy and Microsoft. So I've got this all planned for this episode of Invest Talk. And of course, we're taking your calls live at 888 99 chart. Now let's take a look at the markets today. We had an inflation figure that was much lower than expected, and that sparked a rally in both bonds, the 10 year down 32 basis points on the day. Huge rally in bonds, back below the 4% level on the 10-year, pretty close to the 50-day moving average. And you're going to see mortgage rates probably drop back below 7%. So that's certainly a positive uh, in the housing market, and anything that's rate sensitive. And it just shows you the Fed is, uh, or or the market is pricing in a Fed that is going to slow down probably pretty rapidly. 50 basis points now is uh, the base case for December was 75. Now it's 50, 83% chance there. Uh, and then another potential 50 basis points in January or in February, but now creeping up in the odds is the 25 basis point hike. So you may get only a 75 basis point hike over the next two meetings as opposed to 75 in the next one. So that's certainly uh, helping bring rates down and bring the dollar down as well. And I've said this before, lower dollar means looser, liquidity conditions, and thus higher asset prices. And that's what you're seeing right now. Big, big update really across the board, especially in precious metals, in all types of commodities, and even the beaten down tech names because of lower interest rates, that is helping as well. So uh, the NASDAQ knocked a a quarter of its loss for the year off just today. Now it shows you how strong today is, but also shows you how much loss the NASDAQ had uh, so far uh, this uh, this year. So pretty interesting day. Uh, I've been saying this since early October, sentiment was really, really bad. And when sentiment gets that bad and earnings aren't falling off a cliff, which they weren't, you know, earnings for third quarter were modestly positive. Um, it kind of tells you that there's probably some sort of relief rally if you can get some modestly good news. And that's what you've, se- you've seen. You've seen earnings come in okay, and you've seen inflation data come in softer, which markets have been looking for. And so said probably get a positive fourth quarter into December, and that's what you've gotten so far. Now it's Thursday, so the weekend will be here soon. One more trading day left. In the meantime, you probably have finance and investment questions that you want to answer. So you set the agenda. I'm ready to get I'm ready to take your call now. At 888 chart.
2: Why do listener questions make Invest Talk better?
1: One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every
2: question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. So, as long as your questions involve the stock market or general investment topics and definitions, we set no limits. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Justin and I are ready. Are you? Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888-99-CHART.
3: Hello, Justin or Steve. Just had a question about a regional bank in East Texas. It's called Southside Bank Shares, ticker S-B-S-I. Looking at starting a position, just curious on what you thought about it. I know that the stock price decreased uh, a couple of weeks ago and thinking about starting a position. If you can just tell me a little bit about the company overall and what a good entry point would be. Thank you.
1: All right, this is SBSI, Southside Bank Shares, and this is a holding company for Southside Bank operating 56 offices in Texas counties. About a $1.1 billion market cap. They did announce that they're going to repurchase 1 million shares, which is about 3% of its uh, of its float, which is, is nice. So they're utilizing their increasing earnings up from $2.20 pre-pandemic in 2019, all the way to $3.33 expected this year. Now it's down 4% from last year, but still nicely elevated and earnings are expected to be flat next year as well. So... Growth is leveled out, but at a a relatively high level. Now, earnings expectations are being downgraded by analysts, so that's a bit of a worry. I would like to see that going the other way. But uh, one thing I like, this is a regional bank, and it is focused in an area that has a good economy from people moving there from high-cost states, uh, as well as the oil and gas industry, certainly uh, benefiting places like Houston, Texas. That's a, a big place for oil and gas. Uh, so I I like this overall as a regional bank. Uh, their earnings are are solid. Their profitability long term uh, is pretty consistent. Let me look at that. return equity right now is thirteen percent. Long term average is about ten and a half, which is you know pretty good, not amazing but pretty good. And I like it. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. That was South, excuse me, yeah, Southside Bank shares. S B S I is the symbol let's slip in one quick question
0: here.
2: Yeah. Hi, Steve. Uh, my name is Nick and I was wondering uh, what price would be a good price to pay for Microsoft. Okay. Thank you for your show and take care. Bye-bye.
1: All right. Microsoft is certainly down from its high, but this is not a name that I get excited about as earnings continue to decelerate and estimates continue to come down and The layoffs in this cycle, in this coming recession, whether you call it a mild recession or a bad recession, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be concentrated on two sectors. Finance, mainly lending, mortgage lending, for example, Uh, the the housing industry in general. Think of all the realtors that are now going to probably switch careers. Uh, But also the tech space way over. Hiring in that space. And you're seeing those massive layoffs from Facebook, uh, going or Meta going to lay off eleven thousand workers. You have the Pelotons of the world. Uh, you have hiring freezes across the space. And guess what? Most of them utilize Microsoft Word, Microsoft three sixty five, uh, Microsoft OneDrive. All of this is has been oversubscribed to. And I think you're going to see a reversion, a massive version of the mean in Microsoft earnings. And I wouldn't touch this until at least 150, and we're at 1 242 now. Thanks for the call. We're going to a break. Give me a call at 888 ninety nine chart.
2: Invest Talk is here to help. And when you download the free Invest Talk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open.
1: 888 chart Now, my main focus point is regards to the collapse of FTX. And this is just the latest bout of volatility in the crypto space. And frankly, it's probably been the worst 72 hours in crypto history. And basically what happened here is that the the poster child of the crypto industry, the called the JP Morgan of the crypto space, Sam Bankman Freed, kind of always stepped in and uh, saved the collapse of a bunch of different projects such as Celsius and uh, 3O's Capital, et cetera. And he owned a firm called Alameda Research, which made investments within the crypto space. Uh, and basically what it looks like happened is FTX lent Money to or lent let crypto to Alameda to invest, uh, and there was basically a margin call that because the owner of, or the CEO of FTX said they would buy FTT, which is the token that FTX basically created out of thin air uh, uh, at a certain price, and that kind of laid their hand bare that uh, they needed they needed to protect the the price of the of that uh, that coin uh, in order to prevent some sort of margin call. Well when short sellers realize that, what do they do? they just shorted enough to take out that uh, number and it created uh, basically a margin call across the space and it looks like there were there was money stolen or borrowed against that wasn't theirs. Uh, and it just goes to show you that it's an industry; it's a wild, wild west. And for all the talk about how this is the future of finance, they're learning all of the lessons of traditional finance very quickly. And this is the point where you have to sell; se- you have to separate the investment bank, so Alameda Research, from the commercial bank, which would be. FTX, well, they're they're really uh, more of a an exchange. But the bottom line is, however you want to classify it, this was a lack of regulation, and it just shows you how much is needed. And Sam Bankman fried was been has been lobbying Congress for more regulation within the industry, uh, but he looks like he used a lot of that money from FTX. In order to make those political donations. Now Binance, which is a lot more transparent exchange, they wanna they thought about buying FTX, a competitor of theirs. And they looked at the books and they backed out rather quickly. So that's kind of a big tell about what's going on over at FTX. And remember I remember a year ago, two years ago, people saying, Well, why wouldn't I go? stake my crypto and earn 8, 10, 12%. This is when savings rates were basically zero. Right now, you can get 4% on a treasury. But back then, it was next to nothing. Well, I always said is that it's counterparty risk. And the counterparty is, how do you know that where you're staking, where you're holding your assets, how do you know they're safe and secure, A, and how do you know they're not stealing your money or borrowing against your money? You don't. And I said there was no free lunch. Guess what? A lot of people just had their lunch taken, lunch stolen. And it also shows how much leverage kills, especially in a volatile. Area of the marketplace. And when liquidity conditions get tighter, which they have pretty much all year, the parts of the market that get the most impacted are the fringe areas of the market. Think of micro cap stocks, but also crypto now, which is even more fringe than micro cap stocks. So, this is a story as old as time. Sam Bankman-Fried was on the cover of Fortune last year. The curse of the magazine cover. It never fails. If you ever see an investor, an asset class on the cover of Fortune or The Economist or some major magazine. And you own you have exposure to that particular asset class, you should probably think about getting out or at least reducing your exposure dramatically. And you know what they called him then? The next Warren Buffett. You know how many people have been the next Warren Buffett? Almost all of them soon had a calamity soon after. So... You got to look at this, you got to, you have to take lessons away and you have to realize that no story is going to bail you out. What's going to bail you out is capital, real businesses, quality investments, not the dream hopes and dreams of a, a decentralized future. Because there are pros and cons to everything. And now you're seeing the cons of that decentralization decentralization and lack of oversight. Now we're heading into a break. I'm Justin Klein. And I'm ready to take your questions live at eight 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 ninety nine chart eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, K-E-R-O-N-E dot com. HackerOne dot com. Each day, InvestTalk
2: listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for InvestTalk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments.
1: Let's go talk to Nick in Manhattan Beach. He wants to talk about apps, Digital Turbine.
3: Hi. Sorry, Justin. Um, I actually want to talk about uh, Celebrite, ticker, oh, okay. CLBT.
1: Say, say that yes, symbol again.
3: Small cap. Uh, CLBT.
1: Okay. Celebrite. A, Can you tell uh, me a little more about them?
3: Yeah. Um, it's, it's a small cap company uh, that sells... Um, software for law enforcement agencies to uh, solve crime, interpret like cell phone data, that okay. sort of stuff. Okay, um, it's got a market cap of a hundred of eight hundred eighty million, with about one hundred fifty million on the on the balance sheet in cash. Uh, trailing twelve months net income of one hundred fifty million dollars, uh, earnings per share about point seven eight, and the stock price is around four dollars and seventy cents. So PE of around six. As I said, its customer base is uh, law government, law enforcement agencies, uh, very sticky. The past 14 quarters in a row, they've had retention rates in excess of 120%. So I think, on the merits, it's undervalued. We've got earnings next week. I'm thinking about buying stock and uh, call options on it. What do you think?
1: Okay, looking at Celebrate, interesting here. Uh, it's certainly been in a downtrend. A lot of those high flying. Story stocks, uh, and it's down 58% from its high. It looks like it was a SPAC. Was this a SPAC?
3: Yeah, the company has been uh, in existence for well over like 15 years. Yeah, but it went but public took it via, via SPAC. SPAC in, correct? They took, they took a public via SPAC, yeah.
1: Got it. Okay, yeah, because it was sitting at 10 bucks for a while, in the middle of last year, and it's about half the SPAC number of $10 and now it's at $4.68. Their business is doing well, but growth is certainly decelerating. A year ago, revenues were up 29% year over year. Last quarter, only up 6% year over year. They were making money the last seven quarters or so, eight quarters, and now last quarter they lost a penny. So I'm seeing growth decelerating. Earnings are gonna go from 52 cents this year to back down to 18 cents next year. So that worries me that why is that happening? What's the trend in their business that uh, continues to struggle? Now, from a cash flow perspective, yeah, operating cash flow has gone from 29 million in Q4 2021 to negative 10 million in Q1 and negative 4 million in Q2. Uh, like you said, earnings coming out soon for Q3. We'll see what that looks like, but uh, it's been negative the last two quarters, and that certainly worries me. Uh, the chart—it's it's rallied just like most of the market, but it hasn't broken above that 100-day moving average, and that's what I would need to wait for. Um, now, you could play try to play earnings, but Earnings are a crapshoot uh, unless you know a little bit more uh, about what's happened this latest quarter and the market's not pay- maybe paying attention to it, et cetera. But it's very hard to, to game earnings. I, I don't like the trend in the operating cash flow. I don't like the trend in earnings expectations. And I don't like the trend in the chart either. So I'm not jumping on board this name. That was Celebrate C-L-B-T. Okay. Okay. Thanks for the call. Now let's touch a bit on the debt loads that companies are dealing with. And CFOs across many industries are feeling the pinch of higher borrowing costs. Now, the three-month LIBOR offer rate uh, stood at 0.15 a year ago. Now, it's at 4.56%. So, a huge move. And this is kind of the benchmark rate for how interest rates across the corporate lending market uh, are priced. It's usually LIBOR, LIBOR plus... Two LIBOR plus four hundred basis points, et cetera, and companies in in many industries across different rating industry in uh, rating classifications, they're accelerating their preparation for the downturn in the economy, and some are cutting expenses and trying to cut interest costs. And one way you can cut interest costs, you can pay down debt. Elf Beauty, for example, they're paying down twenty five percent of their outstanding term loan. Uh, Chemical company DuPont, they're paying back $1.3 billion of their commercial paper balance in the fourth quarter. And they're also planning to retire, not refinance, retire $2.5 billion in senior notes that that mature next year. That's gonna give them a savings of $100 million a year in interest expense. And so this is something that's happening in both investment grade, Companies, but also especially non-investment grade uh, companies that have bonds outstanding, and those that have floating rate debt that's going up in in yield. And so, total debt of companies in the S and P five hundred ha- that reported in the third quarter through November fourth, they saw total debt flat on the quarter overall. But certain sectors retired debt faster. For example, the one that retired debt the quickest was healthcare followed by energy, we have a lot of cash flow, and communication services, as well as consumer staples, IT, and materials. The sectors that added the most debt, utilities, real estate, and consumer discretionary. Now, financials did as well, but that could be a good thing, right? They're adding, they're borrowing more money to to lend out. Uh, So you can see that dichotomy there, and that's important. It's important to see how these companies are handling this higher rate environment. And are they able to pay down debt? Maybe they're selling off assets. Maybe they are just utilizing their free cash flow to pay down that debt. Maybe they're eliminating or reducing their dividend. And in this environment with higher cost of capital, especially debt capital, it's not necessarily a bad thing. And I think it's prudent, especially if you have a heavy debt load, to do that. You know, we've been so used to an era of era of low, low, low interest rates, and kind of didn't make sense to pay it down. It was too cheap. Just like a lot of people right now are saying, oh, I don't want to pay down my mortgage. It's at 3%. I can go put it in the bank at four or five. Invest in corporate bonds at seven, eight. And so this is another kind of wrinkle in this new market dynamic, new economic paradigm that we're in of suddenly the cost of capital is something. Debt isn't just a no brainer anymore. It's a real hurdle to investment. It's a hurdle to sustainability of businesses. And frankly, it's a good thing. Too, for too long, companies have been, able to roll their debt easily and very cheaply, even though their business model may not have been all that. And frankly, that's not good for the economy. Capital, both human and physical, should be put towards endeavors that make sense economically. Not that are just bleeding capital or bleeding cash flow, That's not good for the economy overall. So I see this as a very big positive. Even though it's going to make some companies struggle, it's a good trend. Now, the seasons are changing, and the stock market is presenting what I call changing market dynamics. And if you're serious about your financial future, you need to come to terms with it. Come to terms with the fact that the era of investing in The sexy startups, the sexy innovators that may not make money now, but you know, well, in five, 10 years, that's not the investment climate anymore. And you need to adjust accordingly. And so I encourage you, if you need help understanding your strategy in context to this new environment, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial, based in Irvine, California, where we practice parallel investing, meaning we invest right alongside our clients, and we practice unbiased guidance both on and off air. And we operate the same philosophy, which is independent thinking and shared success. So you can take advantage of a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting. Just head over to investtalk.com or give our office a call at 800 557 557. 5461. Sooner you reach out, sooner we can connect, and I can help you get your portfolio optimized. Now, this is Invest Talk. Hang on, we'll play a fresh listener question next.
2: Why do listener questions make InvestTalk better? Which of
1: these would you recommend?
2: Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice.
3: When do I know the right time to take profits?
2: And listeners instinctively realize that InvestTalk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction.
3: I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot.
2: So don't forget to call InvestTalk. 888-99-CHART.
3: Stephen, Justin. My name is Casey. I have about $10,000 in stocks and equities. I think I'm too young for bond positions. But definitely down a large amount after the tumultuous year we've had. Wondering, what should the play be to turn to a more risk-averse portfolio in the coming months, especially with the end of the year coming up? You know, is it worth trying to let some stocks rebound in a in a bullish fourth quarter before trying to get some tax loss harvesting, or is it worth just cashing out on stocks that might not be rebounding at all, based on what we've seen. So, appreciate the hard work, and uh, looking forward to hearing your answer. Thank you.
1: This is one mistake most new investors make, which is... They only focus on the companies that they own or the assets that they own, as opposed to the entire set of opportunities that are out there in the marketplace. And what you should be doing instead of, oh, I should get back to even to this particular name. It should be. What should my portfolio look like? What risks should I be taking? You're young, so probably a lot. What sectors, what areas of the market should I be invested in? And then how do I gain exposure to those sectors? How much of exposure do they have? You're down. Everything's down. Doesn't mean that what you have is bad. You're young. $10,000, I know it might seem like a lot to you, but a decade, two from now, it's going to seem like nothing. And so the first thing you need to do is take some lessons from these losses take some lessons from these markets answer the question what mistakes did i make sure you made some others you probably maybe you didn't make mistakes just you were in a bad market environment for example since june commodities have pulled back if you bought in june july commodities probably didn't do so well does that mean that was a bad idea? No, the just overbought at that time. The dollar got even stronger than it was. And now you're seeing commodities rebound again because the supply-demand dynamics didn't really change. And so any, over any short period of time, anything can go down, even the best investment in the world. So you have to look back and say, did I buy this for a good reason? Not just because, oh, you love the story. Or you like the company. Huh. It's, what was my, what what is the business reason for this? What is the economic reason for this? Was it cheap? Was the economy, uh, was the economic backdrop doing this company wonders? Or was it a headwind? for this company? You have to ask, you have to answer those questions. And so the first thing is learning from your mistakes and then moving towards an allocation that makes sense where the economic tailwinds or the economic winds are at your back, not in front of you. So the market's rallying you're getting a lot of oversold rallies in, in a lot of these growthier names because interest rates are coming down. But you have to understand this new market environment. Inflation is here to stay. It's coming down. It's going to come down through the rest of next year. But we're going to be in an inflationary environment. We're going to be an environment where interest rates are generally going up. So what type of companies do well in that environment? What type of assets do well? Guess what? Long-duration assets don't do well. Assets that deliver today, income, earnings, cash flows, those do well, but you always get counter trend rallies. Just like from 2000 or 19 or 2008, call it, to 2020, growth outperformed because cost of capital was next to nothing. Inter rates are very low, inflation very low. Were there rallies in growth in value stocks versus growth? Yeah, there were. But in general, growth stocks outperformed over that time. And the same is going to be for the next decade probably. But inverse. And you need to be positioned for that. And that's not about a three-month or six-month time horizon. That's a multi-year time horizon. So now we're getting a rally, getting that counter-trend rally. What aligns with the here and the now? Is it Pelotons of the world who couldn't make a profit in the best operating environment they could ever ask for? Or is it hard asset? Things that people need today to run their everyday lives. So the first thing to back up is create a plan and allocate towards that plan. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888.99 Chart.
2: The markets react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call Invest Talk, 888 99
3: Chart. Hi, Stephen Justin, big fan of the show. I was hoping to get your thoughts on companies that have big down days. Um, I've had a couple recently, um, particularly last week, that have had some big down days um, 10% for both of these. Um, probably not helped because the Fed uh, announcement was the same week as well. Um, I think the two that I have here are consistent, good quality companies. I have OTTR, Otter Tail, and EXR, Extra Space Storage, both beating expectations but lowering their forecasts and with increasing costs, um, both down 10% in a day and then slid a bit since. How do you approach whether to hold, sell, or even pick up some more of these companies when you do have these big swings? Um, I look forward to your um, insight. Cheers. Bye.
1: Well, if they are companies that are lowering their forecast in this environment, they are probably going to struggle for the foreseeable future. Uh, now, a lot of, though, does have, have to do with where I think long-term earnings projections will be and whether it's cheap or expensive based on that. Now, Otter, Otter Tail, you're going to say this is an odd company because they have, are an electric utility as well as they have interest in plastic and manufacturing business, and that's clearly what's happening here, is that the demand or uh, what's happening with their their plastics business is, it's going down, and forecasts continue to go down. They made $2.17 in 2019, and they were growing nicely uh, before the pandemic, and then supercharged earnings all the way to $4.23 last year, and then $6.61 expected this year, but next year, including those uh, downgraded forecasts, it's supposed to be down forty three percent to three dollars and seventy nine cents. So that's why it's down. It Shouldn't shock you. You're getting a reversion to that mean, probably closer to two, three bucks. So you have to figure out what is the earnings power longer term. I've said this. There's a ton of companies that the pandemic just skewed their results dramatically. Some negatively, some positively. If it's tied to some sort of physical good, typically that's positive because people were over-consuming the physical goods. Otter Tail is one of those. So that's which that's how you have to approach these things: is what do I want to pay for the name, and what is my longer-term view of earnings. Not what it earned last year, not during a pandemic environment. Maybe not even next year as things revert to the mean, as the economy reverts to the mean, as we go through a continued economic deceleration. I would basically take the trend rate of growth pre-pandemic and try to extrapolate that out five, 10 years. And see where we are 2024 2025 2026 try to see through this weird environment both this year and a couple of years in the past and then based on those expected earnings as long as nothing major about the business has changed then i would want to put a proper multiple on it what's when is it cheap based on cash flows based on earnings and then you can say, okay, here's the price, here's my price target that I would want to buy out. Is it there? Or is there potentially more room to run to the downside? So that's how I would approach it. And I'd be very careful because once again, this is a name where earnings expectations for next year are 379. That's still drastically higher from pre pandemic levels. My hunch is it's going to be worse than that. And you wanna wait until those expectations get fully priced in, and probably not yet. Now lastly, I wanna get quickly to a, a pretty interesting stat that happened just two days ago, November 8th. The put call ratio got to 1.3. And it's only been there, it's only been to 1.3, three times since 2000, or sorry, 1999. And usually when this gets above 1.1, it means sentiment is really bad and, and traders are positioned very negatively and often that means good things for the market in the near future on average one month later is 2.5 percent up three months 5.9 six months 7.5 and a one year later 11 percent higher so this is actually a bullish indicator for the market and us today i'm justin klein this completes another invest talk program steve Peasley and i thank you for listening we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads which they can get anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and be sure to rate and review. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Talk.
0: Good night. InvestTalk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security.